Thank you, Taylor. Just such a lovely intonation of that southern kind of southern accent. Beautiful. Uh, well, it's always an honor. I mean, you, uh, I hope that one day you might have the opportunity as me just to be able to, to speak in chapel here in this amazing place. We've been having a, a time here, of course, teaching at the Doctor Ministry Program, and I'm always impressed with the warmth of both the fellowship, but also the kind of the faith expression. Uh, we don't just talk about ideas that matter, but there's a, a real participation in the ideas. Uh, it's a wonderful place. It's a really good seminary. It doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> so I think Wesley would be proud. So thanks for having me. It'd be awesome to be able to speak here. Uh, we, in, our, in our class, we are considering the idea of discipleship within a missional frame. Uh, particularly, that's our topic this time. I get the wonderful opportunity to be able to speak to churches um, and to agencies of uh, all kinds around this amazing country about the issue of discipleship, uh, as well as Europe, by the way. And, um, and the, uh, what I always am shocked at is that how little we seem to know about it after 2,000 years of Christian formation of the Bible and everything else. Most people haven't got a, a clear understanding of what it might be, uh, as well as how it might be done. It's quite a shock, really, and it should shock us. Uh, it's such a basic part of things. But, uh, but so we, we, we have to often define what we mean by this. So let me give you some of the definitions we're working with, at least in our class. At least I don't have a highfalutin definition. That's kind of good southern language, a highfalutin. Um, but uh, but, but it, uh, one at least for me makes sense, that I believe it's a very Jesus-based affair. It's a conspiracy of little Jesus. And basically there's two dimensions to it, as I see it. There's the imitation of Christ, which in a sense is the way which we uh, take the pattern of Jesus, the kind of humanity that we see in Christ, and make that the model of the human. It is the perfectly holy human that we then begin to pattern our lives upon his pattern. He provides the type that we are the the archetype, but we're the type. And I believe that that is fundamental to it. And uh, um, partly, you go further with this, the idea of conformation, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And this, of course, Paul says, is our eternal destiny, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ in Romans 8. He also says elsewhere that we have been changed into the, his likeness from one degree of glory to another. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is something that is so essential to the Christian life. But the other side of the equation is also important. You know, that's our side of imitation. The other side is that Jesus wants to live his life in and through me. This is the Christ life. Might, one might say we participate in the Christ life we find in Jesus in the kind of way, in the perichoretic way, that we, we, we join in, in with what God is doing in Jesus. And, uh, the, and Paul uses the term, of course, union with Christ. Uh, which is his in-Christ theology, which is so rich in, in Paul. It goes all the way through and provides us with incredible amounts of insight about the nature of the Christian life as Jesus lives his life in and through us. Uh, John uses a different expression, abiding. And it's the same kind of idea where he says, I abide in the Father, the Father abides in me. And he invites us, in fact, it necessitates us as Christian being, Christians to actually participate in that life. In fact, there is no life outside of that abiding. Uh, Peter uses a different term, uh, participation in Christ. The Eastern Church picks up on that, and it plays this idea that we participate, and we are almost, they use this idea of theosis, where we're actually drawn up into the life of God. We're divinized through our life, uh, our participation in the life of Christ. Uh, whatever way you figure it, discipleship has got everything to do with Jesus. 
everything to do with him. Um, uh, now, we must become like Jesus, you know. Uh, so you can't go wrong, folks, if you become more like Jesus. Cannot. Not possible. Cannot go wrong if you become more like Jesus. Now, I'm just aware that, you know, some of us get this wrong and say, we're not Jesus. No, if, if you think you're Jesus, you should take your pills. Uh, uh, but we must become like him. And we must allow that life to flow in and through us. That's the joy of, of the Christian life. It's not just a individual affairs if Jesus come to live in my little itty bitty heart. Uh, and that, it, in fact, the scripture doesn't use that expression at all, but he's living in my heart. But, but it's really a, a corporate affair. And, and again, the, the, the main image I think in Paul particularly is the idea of the body of Christ. We heard some of it this morning, which he is the head and he fulfills everything in every way. The body of Christ is in a way the embodiment of Christ. In a real sense, Jesus is the embodiment or the incarnation of God. But the church and individuals are the incarnation of Jesus. We are the way he is embodied into the world. We enflesh him. He enfleshes himself in and through us. And this is really significant as we begin to kind of grapple with, with what does it mean to be, you know, be the church and, 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 and how the church should be. What, what we, we can say is that you should expect the church to look like Jesus if this is the case. This is the one ultimate test of whether the church is genuinely uh, in the way. Uh, it, it has to look like Christ. We're the place where Christ is taking form. The one place in the world where Christ is taking form. We are the place where Jesus is, is, is building himself and building the body and, and expressing himself through, through us. And, and of course, Bonhoeffer plays that out very big in, in the context, of course, of the, the uh, Weimar Republic. I must confess that I had uh, um, something of a personal crisis last year. And just a bit of background on the crisis. I've been in the States roughly about uh, uh, 10 years now. I'm not an immigrant. I don't have a green card. Um, so it's unlikely, I, well, who knows, I might not get a renewal. I have to suck up to the government every two years to get in. Uh, and I come to serve the, I left a country that I love that adopted me as a South African trying to get out of apartheid South Africa. I love Australia. And, but I felt a very strong call to this country. I have always felt that, that God has formed me for ministry here. Right when I was a kid, long before I was a believer, I felt that I would have something to do with this amazing country. And so, but I've had to think about that all the time. You know, so like, uh, why? Why God here? I mean, my country is very needy. It's a tricky place for the church. And, but nonetheless, we felt called here. And, uh, and I have subsequently considered that the reason why is that actually we are, if we're going to think about the church in the West, the answer is not going to come from Europe. I mean, we've had 2,000 years of the faith in that context, and I've got to tell you, a great pain in our heart, it's, it's not looking good there. We'd likely to see the, the demise of biblical forms of Christianity in this generation, in whole countries, let alone, uh, you know, in, in cities and play, in, in churches. It, it is very, very bleak there. In other words, if we're going to, to deal with the church in the West, it has to be done here. This, if we don't turn it here, we don't turn it. If we can't discover a new form of church, which I would call a missional form that can advance the cause of Christ in our time. If it's not done in America, it's not going to come from elsewhere. So I've come to serve that cause. My crisis came about from something of a rude awakening last year. And this is very personal, so I'm not trying to impose it on anyone, but this is how I felt. And, I, and I'm just witnessing it to you and see what you think about it. But I, 
My rude awakening is I came to the conclusion at the end of last year that the church in America is not very like Jesus. And it was just after, I've been through three elections in your country, I haven't happened to be here in places, but last year something happened. And the church participated, the way the church participated, let alone the result, but the way both left and right engaged this actually indicates that we do not understand Jesus. We do not know his ways and we have not borne true witness to the kind of life, the kind of, the kind of human life and the kind of vision of the world in which he would have us do. Now again, I say it's a personal perspective, but I come here as a lover of this country and hopefully you can, you can receive that from me. Um, I, I, I actually suffered quite a deep depression because my calling is very much bound up with your country and to serve your country. And, uh, and uh, I, I kind of ended up feeling something like Hosea. And it's not all about me. I'm not trying to make that there. But it was a very personal crisis. And I, I did wonder whether my time was up and whether I should leave. And I, I think that would be wrong. And I've, I commit to stay. And I'll, I'll share why that might be the case. And, and let me just be clear. I could care less about politics. I'm not aligned. Uh, I never have been. And, and, and don't intend to be. And, uh, and, uh, and it's... It, and it's not necessarily about what I would expect from the general public. I mean, in, in terms of like uh, non-Christian people, let pagans be pagans. I mean, where we ended up, I'd expect that. What I didn't expect was that the church would participate to such a degree, to degree in such an outcome. I, I, that I can't understand. Because in a sense, for me, it's a betrayal of the cause of Christ. How, you know, and I get the... I would ask the question of Americans, and we would say, well, we're not voting for the Pope. That was a line I got quite a lot. We don't have to vote for Christians. I agree, actually, by the way. I think you should get the best person in there. You're not voting for the Pope. You don't have to vote for a spiritual person, but the right person. But here's the deal, folks. You can't, if you claim to be uh, uh, someone who's committed to the Lordship of Jesus and to the love of Jesus, you cannot vote against the kingdom. You're not allowed that. You can't vote about the kind of humanity that we, we see represented in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. That you're not allowed to go against, no matter what you, what you believe about those things. Your nationalism doesn't count. Nothing against that thing. Not if you claim this person as your Lord. And we heard those texts this morning about this, right? And so I feel that we kind of did something really bad. It was like a false witness. And the fact that that it was 85% of white evangelicals that actually tipped the, tipped the scales. We're the ones responsible for this. And I think the outcome of which we'll be beginning to experience something now. Um, and I just feel that so deeply for you. I feel it deeply for the church who I'm deeply committed to serving. And, and again, like I said, it was very, very, um, a very personal crisis. And again, I hope it, I'm not trying to just inflict it upon you. I wouldn't try and do that and use the misuse the pulpit in this way. But the pattern of the church, in my opinion, is the pattern of Christ. What we see there is what we should be kind of repeating and, and, and exemplifying in the world. And Jesus Christ provides both the character and the content of the Christian church. He is the absolute epicenter. Jesus is the only measure of faith. He's the only canon by which we must measure ourselves and, and, and our faithfulness. Not politics, Politics cannot second and, 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 and co-opt the, the, the gospel, otherwise it becomes ideological. That we got people from different sides of the political spectrum, and the way we spoke to each other uh, across that spectrum showed that we didn't understand, again, the, the cause of Christ. Not, 
I was re recently in Israel, and I'm very much committed to the kind of state of Israel. As I'm Jewish uh, and I believe very much in it. My people are involved in that. But I don't believe Israel is the measure either. Uh, you cannot judge whether how the people deal with Israel is this, if it's the measure of Christianity. That would be a complete mistake. And I think people do that there. It's not gender as much as those issues affect us all. And now in our day, it is the LGBT conversation. And either side co-opts the gospel to kind of make a case. It cannot be that as important as those things are. It certainly cannot be nationalism, as we've seen evidenced this week, uh, uh, and we've seen evidenced in the history of the European church, uh, time and time and time again when nationalisms take over and racism becomes. No, folks, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. There's no other way to God or no other way to be Christ-like. And the failure of the church in this is essentially a failure of discipleship to be formed in the way of Christ. Uh, it's a betrayal of the way of Christ, the way we are. And I, I invite us to repent of that. If we, you know, no matter whether we, whatever we are, we voted, to repent on behalf of the nation and behalf of the church. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by means of me. In Jesus... The medium is the message, is the medium is the message, is the medium is the message. The, the, the two are literally bound together. And his medium, friends, must become our message. And his message must become our medium. Our prayer today has to be this, is that we must come to know Christ more. His way must become our way, your way, my way. You, his truth must become my truth. His life must become my life. My way must be increasingly conformed to his way. My truth, such as it is, must be conformed to his truth, and it must operate through me. And my life must be increasingly infused with the life of Jesus in and through me. That is what it means to be authentically a believer. It's the way of Jesus Christ. And I invite us to just confirm in our hearts again that that is the center of our faith and that the way we love him is to follow him and complement him with our lives. Thank you very much.